Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. The title of today's program is E.M. Letters, which are both the initials of Elon Musk and the initial letters of the expression economic man. A phrase popularized by the 19th century writer Brooks Adams. Adams contrasted the money-motivated, penny-counting, economic man who dominates the latter stages of a civilization with spiritual man, the warrior kings and philosophers and artists and poets and dreamers who found civilizations. And Elon Musk, creative though he may be in certain aspects of his life, is surely in the camp of economic man. This came to light in a very personal way for me in the last two weeks. The short version is that X, the gigantic online discussion platform formerly known as Twitter, quote-unquote, permanently suspended me within hours of an ADL attack on me. The powerful but largely discredited Jewish group published an article on November 30, attacking me for a couple of my posts on the platform, posts in which I'd done little more than express my sincerely held religious belief that cosmotheism is the spiritual path forward for our people, and offered a link to the Cosmotheist Church website. That's right. X, owned by Mr. E.M. himself, who's recently called himself a free speech absolutist, and who had a public feud with the ADL and with the Jewish power structure generally over their censorious and anti-white activities, has banned yours truly, Kevin Alfred Strom, because of a ridiculously tenuous and unbelievable claim that my support of the Cosmotheist Church was somehow funding hate. In the text version of this broadcast on nationalvanguard.org, I'll show you screenshots of the ADL's hit piece, along with my tweets, which they quoted in the attack. The ADL stated, quote, Another premium account that appears to belong to neo-Nazi Kevin Strom encouraged users to join the Cosmotheist Church, calling it a new religion for white people. The Cosmotheist Church was the brainchild of William Pierce, founder of the neo-Nazi group National Alliance. Shop and donate links on the National Alliance and National Vanguard websites take users to a Cosmotheist Church site to complete their transactions. The National Alliance website says... Click here to easily donate online to the Cosmotheist Church, the parent and spiritual basis of all our work. Close quote. Below that paragraph, the ADL places as proof of my 
fundraising for hate, two tweets many months old in which I say just the following, quote, Young whites are drugging and killing themselves in terrifying numbers. More than the drugs themselves, the cause is a lack of meaning in their lives and a culture of anti-white hate. The antidote is cosmotheism, a new religion for white people. Close quote. I then link to the Cosmotheist Church main page. The second tweet reads, quote, If you care about our people, you should look into cosmotheism as a spiritual path for us. Close quote. And I then link to the book Cosmotheism, Religion of the Future, which I co-wrote and edited. That's it. That's their proof that I am quote-unquote fundraising for hate and must be banned from a platform where I have peacefully expressed my ideas for nine and a half years, even surviving the censorship of the leftist bureaucrats empowered by former CEO Jack Dorsey to weed out wrongthink. But when Mr. Free Speech E.M. comes to, uh, quote-unquote, power, poof, I'm gone within hours of the ADL saying jump. The whole premise of the ADL article is risible on its face, i.e. that groups that the ADL doesn't like shouldn't be able to raise funds or sell products online like all other groups are allowed and even encouraged to do. If someone says that the Mormon church is his church and shares a link to its website, or if someone else says that the Temple Beth El is his synagogue and links to it, or if someone says that the Third Baptist Church, or the Church of Satan for that matter, are the best churches around and you really ought to click this link and check them out. Well, all of that is perfectly okay with Jonathan Greenblatt and his ADL. It doesn't matter that these churches' websites have items for sale like Bibles or other books, or that they, like 99.9% .9 of all church websites, accept donations. All of that is normal and expected and the ADL has no objection. But if a church or other group is disliked by the ADL, perhaps because that church publishes books that expose some of the ADL's criminal links and activities, then suddenly Mentioning that church's website or its Bible or its donation page is somehow funding hate and must be strictly prohibited by all social media platforms. As I said, laughable on its face. But the ADL Jews have no sense of how their own bias and censoriousness is becoming more and more obvious to Americans generally. And they plow on, 
doubling, tripling, and quadrupling down on attitudes and actions guaranteed to alienate the folks they used to fool with effortless ease. So, lucky for us, it always seems to be with Jews. By the way, my banning was never announced to me in any communication from the company, whatever, and they never responded to any of my subsequent communications. I found out about it by trying to post on the platform the day after the ADL hit piece appeared and got a pop-up box saying that my action was disallowed because I had been permanently suspended. Now, permanently suspended is one of those Orwellian terms like affirmative action that have no direct relationship to what they actually mean. But it's even more ridiculous than affirmative action, since a suspension of any activity clearly implies that the activity will soon be resumed. So a suspension really can't be permanent. But let that pass. Now, I don't claim that my being banned from X is of gigantic importance. I never spent much time on the platform. But I managed to get three or 4,000 followers without really trying. I managed to be sort of quoted by Mr. Free Speech Absolutist himself. I got to directly challenge celebrity sellouts and fake leaders. And I do like the platform's short-form restriction, which really helped me to be a better, more pithy writer, even an aphorist. And writing aphorisms is the hardest and best kind of writing. In the final analysis, I still believe that Elon Musk's feud with the ADL and the Jewish power structure is real. Recent comments of his indicate he's still fuming. And that's a good thing. It's always good when anyone, especially someone with power and influence, is forced to come face to face with malevolent and out-of-control Jewish hate. Some good may yet come from this, despite my banning and the banning of many other good folks, including National Vanguard writer David Sims, who was banned months ago. Some good has already come from all this. Millions of people have been shown, in no uncertain terms, that the driving force behind censorship of patriotic speech is Jewish. Millions of people. So far, though, Elon Musk has been pushed into making a deal with the devil. And after organizing a very effective corporate boycott of advertisers on X and making some kind of deal with X's new Musk-appointed CEO, Linda Yaccarino, the ADL is back in the saddle deciding who can and who cannot speak on the platform. Musk, on the hook at X for 
dozens of billions in both cash and bank debt has shown himself to be primarily an economic man, a pragmatic man, money-driven rather than a spiritual man. The founder of the National Alliance, Dr. William L. Pierce, had this to say about these two types of men. Quote, One of my favorite authors is Brooks Adams, the 19th century American economist and historian. In his book, The Law of Civilization and Decay, Adams put forth the idea that the spiritual climate of a particular period in history favors the survival and proliferation of men with a particular inner orientation, while driving men with a different orientation out of existence, much in the way the physical environment favors or disfavors a particular somatic trait. Adams divided men roughly into two classes, spiritual man and economic man. The former are what I would call men of valor. Adams saw their epitome in the English yeomanry of the Middle Ages, freeholding farmer warriors. They flourished during the period when a new civilization is being established. The other class, economic man, epitomized by the merchants and bureaucrats who later replaced the yeoman, flourishes during the period of a civilization's decay and collapse. Adams pinpointed democracy as an institution congenial to economic man, but especially inimical to the existence of spiritual man. The entire Western world, not just America, has been spiritually dead since the Second World War. Economic man has swarmed over its corpse, fattening himself on its material remains and multiplying mightily. Physical collapse may not yet be imminent, but the decadence is profound and irreversible. Valor sorely needed to see us through the coming night and hold us to a worthy purpose until the new dawn is a memory growing fainter by the decade. As the West continues its slide into chaos, strong men, white and non-white, will rise to provide some degree of order and security for their adherents. Some will not be much more than local mafia chiefs. Others will carve out regional or even national constituencies based on common economic interests, common ideologies, common ethnicities, or some combination of these. In each case, the leaders of these groups will be distinguished by valor of a sort. They will be men who have proved themselves tougher, more energetic and aggressive and cleverer than their rivals. They will command respect as well as obedience from the members of their groups, which is more than can be said for America's present leaders. 
we will see more and more a return to leadership based on personal strength rather than institutional sanction, to natural leadership, the kind which existed among our people thousands of years ago, before we began building cities and writing laws, and which still exists among many non-white populations today. That's also still the way it is in some more or less civilized areas just outside the borders of the Western world, in places like Lebanon, for example, and in Latin America. Now, rule by mafia bosses may be fine for Levantines and Latins, but we need more than a valor based only on toughness, cleverness, and ambition. The West has no shortage of tough, clever, ambitious men. And we still have many who are physically strong and courageous, although perhaps not so many these days as we would like. The valor we remember and the valor we must have again depends at least as much on moral courage as on physical courage. Even more, it depends on the inner sense of direction which must guide the man of valor if his courage and strength are to be used to a worthy end. Originally, the word valor meant value, worth. A man's worth was a measure not of what he owned or controlled, however, not of how many shares he could buy in the stock market or how many votes he could collect at the polls, but of what he was. The ideal man of valor is guided unerringly by his inner compass. He is imperturbable and implacable. His loyalty to his cause is his honor, and his actions are as unaffected by considerations of personal comfort or safety as by the opinions of lesser men. How can we have such men to lead us? In this age of Jewish television, democracy, and the supremacy of the marketplace, a man does not acquire valor simply by making a resolution to act valorously. It is the product of a lifetime of right living and right thinking by a man born with the right stuff in him. Surely men of our race are still being born with the right stuff. Economic man may be forcing spiritual man out of existence, generation by generation, but the process is not complete yet. Our problem is to provide an environment which does not stunt or warp the spirits of our best men and women. The environment which prevails in America today produces from our best stock merely lawyers tricky enough to outshyster the trickiest Jew, businessmen hard-driving enough to beat out the most grasping Levantine competitor, professionals in every field willing to jettison scruples and truckle to alien arbiters in order to stay ahead of the pack. 
Children raised on a steady diet of MTV simply do not become men or women of valor. When the chaos in America has grown to the point there is no longer steady work for lawyers and corporation executives, the same stock will yield merely gang leaders meaner and tougher than the meanest and toughest mafioso rival if the spiritual climate remains unchanged. What we must do, no matter what it takes, is change that climate. We must devise a way to nurture the best seed that we have and to provide a regimen and a tutoring an upbringing and an inculcation for the yield of that seed, which will once again give us men of real valor in the best sense of the word. Close quote. And there we get back to the real point, the point I was making when the slimy gnomes at the ADL were screenshotting my posts. The only possible way forward for our people. Cosmotheism, a religion which makes its highest principles the continued existence and upward progress of our race. A religion which makes explicit what was only implicit in prior white civilizations, and which must be explicit if we are to survive. A religion which alone reveals our race's ascent upward toward higher and higher levels of understanding to be the very meaning of the universe itself. A religion which alone can inspire new generations of white men and women to the sacrifices necessary to continue our kind on this planet and beyond.